Hello, my name is Michael D'Angelo. Welcome to Let This Mind Be In You, or if you're a return listener, welcome back. This is a ministry founded on proclaiming the gospel to the lost and exhorting Christians to remember that we have the mind of Christ. So let this mind be in you. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe with all of your friends and family. And if you'd like to reach me, you can reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. That's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. I also have a Facebook page. You can find that at Let This Mind Be In You Ministries. Just search for that. Also, you can find us on YouTube at Let This Mind Be In You. Back to Let This Mind Be In You. I'm Brother Michael D'Angelo here with you once again on another Thursday night. It is 8 p.m. in uh, the central time zone, 9 on the eastern, uh, I guess, the seaboard. And uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, as you can tell from the the title, we have a guest in studio, and we'll bring him in in just a moment. In fact, he brought me this uh, this beautiful gift, uh, Val Fool, and what is it? This is there, uh, 11 Other Messages, Dwight L. Moody. So thank him for that. Um, but we're, we'll get started in just a second. But at first, you know, we have the, the normal stuff. So ltmbiy at yahoo.com. That's where you can reach me if you have any questions or you want to talk about a certain issue or if this uh, ministry has been a blessing to you or if, you know, maybe you feel like you're not in the family of God. You're feeling some sort of tug. You haven't made a decision in your life. You haven't come to that moment where you've come with a contrite heart, a broken uh, spirit, and come to the end of yourself, please reach out to me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. Also, you can, if you're following along, uh, you can see us on YouTube at Let This Mind Be In You. Uh, if you're watching this on Facebook, you're watching it at Let This Mind Be In You Ministries and all the podcast platforms. Everywhere you like to listen to podcasts, you should be able to find me at, at uh, Let This Mind Be In You Ministries podcast. Uh, so I'm going to do my, my self-check here. And I'm waiting to see if my wife uh, sounds perfect, good. Uh, she was my sound check today because uh, last week we had that issue where I had other microphones on, unbeknownst to me. So it looks like everything's going good. We have YouTube going up. I see Brother Larson there from Nevada. Hello, Brother Ken, sitting over there on YouTube. Uh, good to see you, brother. And we have uh, a few people coming in. I had a lot of interest uh, with what's been going on, uh, who I have on here. I think they all wanted to tune in to see Brother Butch tonight, so that's good. So more, I guess it's a free advertisement. But anyways, with that being said, I want to bring in Brother Butch Lockard from Beams. And let me turn his microphone on and then show him right here. Here we are in studio. And off to my left um, is his beautiful wife. Um, Miss Rhonda, but she does not want to be on video, which is yeah. fine. That's okay. But um, with, that's just us in, in the studio in front of the camera and on the, uh, the video here and also being able to be heard. But she's sitting right over here, and then there's his face right there. That's a good view. So uh, hello, Brother Butch. Thank you for joining me here in my studio. Thank you for coming very far. Did you have very far to travel, or where, where do you live at in proximity to here? Uh, 15 minutes from your house. Oh. So I didn't have very far no, to Well, 15 minutes, that's not bad. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, so we'll we'll come back to Brother Butch here in a, in a second here. But uh, and 
what we really are going to talk about tonight is pretty much uh, his history and how he's come to now and where he's at now is the Beams Ministry. And we'll talk about uh, Bible, um, not production, but distribution uh, all around the world. And so we're going to talk about that uh, tonight. Uh, so as I have him here in the studio, let me get over to another view here so we, they can kind of see us here. I can kind of turn around here and kind of look at us. Uh, right. So hello, brother. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. Like I said, in my studio, we've been uh, talking for the past, I guess, hour or so just through some different things. But um, what I want to do tonight, and as I told him, we want to start out just knowing a little bit about you, uh, where you kind of grew up. And so I'm just going to let you take it away. Go right ahead, brother. Well, thank you, Brother Michael, for the opportunity to come and sit in here with you and just share what God has done in my life that's, you know, to God be the glory, you yeah. know, the only reason why I'm here today and in the state of Mississippi is because of God. Um, I was born and raised in Indiana County, Pennsylvania, yeah. and uh, so all my kinfolk, my parents are still there, and uh, several of my siblings still live in the area, some have moved off. But uh, was was raised there. My parents, when I was born, was not uh, in church at mm. the time. But as a young young boy, uh, probably five six years old, I believe it was that uh, my parents started going to church. Uh, actually, went back to the church that uh, my dad had attended when he was a, a young man, and had made a profession of faith in that church, a little one room schoolhouse there in one of the little coal mining towns. We lived. Uh, there, Indiana County, for some of those at Christmas time, remember the Jimmy Stewart movie? Oh, yeah. That's where he was born. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, so that's claim to fame there in Indiana. But, you know, as a young boy, they started going to church and uh, going back in that little Sunday school room, little places, even though my dad had went and heard the gospel. And as an eight-year-old boy, realized my need of a Savior mm. and that I was on my way to hell. And I uh, remember my pastor's wife at the time, Miss Carol Hayes, take me off in a little room and explain it to me, the gospel, yep. and I remember getting gloriously saved and, Amen. and was baptized uh, not too long thereafter that. Uh, as a, going into my teenage years, my mm. father uh, surrendered to the ministry, okay. and uh, he um, began training. He didn't go off to college, but began training there at home and uh, through different correspondence courses and went into the ministry with associate pastor. As a teenager, I felt God tugging my heart. We went into a Christian school uh, in the eighth grade, started going there. And as I was there doing ministry serving, you know, as a you know child growing up, my dad was um, in leadership of the church prior to being in, in going into the ministry to became a um, youth pastor, assistant pastor. And so we was all very involved in everything, choirs and, you know, cleaning the yard, doing all those things, but felt God working my heart. And uh, when uh, summer of 1984, uh, I um, surrendered my life to God. I said, God, you know, I want, want to serve you. And then in the uh, spring of 1985, went on to went to a Bible college for a Bible conference my pastor had taken us to. Then during one of the services, uh, went forward feeling God was... Uh, calling me to into ministry as far as vocation, not just surrendered life but in, in that area. Okay. And went forward with him and surrendered my life to preach. I felt God was calling me to preach. Mm. And at 15 years old, I started 
preaching and serving in whatever capacity and hmm. claimed the verse there in Isaiah, Isaiah 6, 8, you know, Lord, here am I, send me. Who will I send? He said, here am I, send me. Yeah, it's just a surrendered life at that point. That's what it was. And I said, Lord, you know, some surrender to the ministry and or, or surrender their life, and they feel God's calling them to be a pastor or a missionary. Hmm. I just felt God called me to preach, and God called me to the ministry. Right. And after high school left, went off to Bible college. Uh, my wife that you had referenced here being in the studio here, we went to the same Christian school. Hmm. Um, we didn't date then. It took a long time for God to work in her heart. Yeah. And well, okay. we won't even get into all that. That's a whole other uh, story. But uh, thank God that uh, she came to her senses, or I wore her down one of the two, but during college when God brought us together. But uh, God, right after high school, went off to college and uh, went and studied for the ministry, graduated in May of 90. We, we got married in June of that year. Oh, okay. And we worked in a, in a church in Maryland for a few months as, as youth what pastor part of, and thing. What part Cumberland, of, Maryland. Cumberland, Maryland. Yeah. So when I was up there, let's see, I was stationed up there. I was in around Hagerstown. Uh, Frederick, Maryland area. That was, that was on the other side. We was over near West, over there, West Virginia, corner West Virginia, Bedford, Pennsylvania mm, okay. area. That's All right, so you're more west. West. Yeah. I, I think I talked to you when, uh, like, like a text or something like that, or so, whatever it was, when you guys were traveling through Pennsylvania. And I said, mm -hmm. hey, if you're over here near Waynesboro, which is smack dab in the middle of the state, right on the border of Maryland, I said, come on by, but. Um, Never got a chance for that. It was super cold up there, and so you yeah. you know more about that, like like being raised up there and and so forth. But you didn't stay, I guess, north for very long, did you? Or you moved no, down south? No, we we moved back to Pennsylvania, and we worked with her dad for about uh, two and a half, three years. And and uh, we moved from uh, Pennsylvania in January of '94. Don't ever go and do Christmas in Florida. When you're having one of the worst winters you've had that you remember in your adult lifehood in Pennsylvania and go down and visit them in Florida. Mm -hmm. But now we felt God was calling us. He had been working in our heart about us going into the ministry. And uh, through a series of events, we ended up moving down to Florida. And uh, we thought we were going to be on staff in another church. Some things fell through. And then we ended up staying in the area where her dad was working in Perry, Florida. Mm -hmm. And we ended up going on church, on staff there to church with him part-time. We was bivocational and uh, was a youth pastor and kind of assistant, just, you know, whatever. When you're assistant pastor in the church, you do, you do yeah, whatever's working, needed, you yeah, know. Just working the, uh, the, all, all, everything else as, yeah. as every man, as we talk about all the time, that everybody in the body has a, should be working together. Right. Uh, but at the same time, um, you was this about the time that your daughters started being born? Uh, were they born no, over there? Our Just, daughters were born in Pennsylvania. They okay. were actually born in the same hospital. They were born in 92, 93. Uh, Chelsea and Clarissa were born there. Mm -hmm. And so when we moved, you know, Clarissa was just a few months old, and Chelsea was not quite two years old when we moved to Florida. Mm. So... They were, as they say, they were born Yankees, but they were raised Southerners, so they don't they don't know what <laughs> it is to be a Yankee, yeah. you know. Right. Well, that's a that's very interesting. And you made your so from Florida. Um, would did you move over towards Texas after that, or was it like kind of migrated? That we way? went up to Alabama. Okay. We went to our first. My first pastor was uh, Cover Baptist Church in Atmore, Alabama. Atmore, Alabama. 
it's north it's of Mobile. Yeah, um, it's interesting you mentioned that. There's a, a gentleman that I, I talked to, and I don't know if he's on here tonight, but I think he's in Atmore. Uh, so that's an interesting kind of uh, tie-in there. But oh, okay. Um, uh, but uh, so from Alabama, then to went to Mississippi. We're in Ellisville, Mississippi, Ellisville. north of. Wow. Uh, that's, North of Hedgeburg. Yeah, that's up there. Yeah, yeah that's in that's real Mississippi. Yeah, there. yeah, it's real Mississippi. <laughs> it's not like the Gulf Coast. It's right. completely <laughs> different. And we had a wonderful time there. The ministry there was at Pleasant Ridge Baptist Church, and uh, I thought maybe God was going to leave me there. Mm. That was always uh, never my plan to be moving. I always thought I'd go back to Pennsylvania and be there the rest of my life and pastor, and that was my heart's desire. But God, the God was moving. He opened up some wonderful opportunities while I was there at uh, Pleasant Ridge. I got involved with the uh, local volunteer fire department, became the chaplain there, and got to meet a lot of people being a part of the community there. And it was really a wonderful experience. The people there took us in. And after four years, God just said you were done. It was hard. It's probably one of the hardest decisions Mm -hmm. we ever made was to leave there. I didn't have a ministry. I didn't have a direction where to go. It just, I, I remember preaching Sunday morning and the Holy Spirit telling me today you resigned and I'm like I'm not resigning I love this we're in a Mm. building program the church is doing well it's growing my kids love it here my wife loves it here you know I love it here why Lord I don't want to I don't want to move and and so God had us move and then we worked for a few months in a church in Louisiana Cachada just south of Shreveport and then God opened the door for us to go to Palestine Texas and when I went to Palestine, Texas, as I took that church, I remember telling my wife, saying, you know, I believe this is going to be my last pastorate. That, you know, has looks like that's exactly what it was, was going to be my last pastor, but not in the way that I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to retire there. And mm-hmm. in East Texas, it's uh, uh, about two and a half hours kind of southeast of the Metroplex. It was north of Houston, so it was... Wonderful country, mm-hmm. you know, had all the amenities in the city, small city of uh, around 20,000 people, but just a really great place, and God was blessing. We were there six years, and uh, we'd been involved with the Beams Ministry when we were in Ellisville. Mm-hmm. We got to, we'd go down, pack Bibles, had Brother Freck come in. He preached mission conference, and we got involved. While we were there, my wife's uh, parents our dad, Delmas Knight, he was pastor, and God called him to go be full-time missionary for the Beams Ministry. Mm-hmm. So he started traveling in 2003. So we were intimately involved with the Beams Ministry as far as that, supported as a pastor, supported personally. Um, never really believing that we would be a part of that right. ministry, that it would just be in connection as a pastor. Now, what year was that? Uh, we were in... Uh, we went to Texas in 2005. 2005. In 2011, our youngest daughter just graduated uh, high school, Clarissa, and was actually at college. She went to start working in the summer. Chelsea had finished her first year of college, was home. Uh, Clarissa is the redhead. Clarissa is the redhead. Looking like her mama. And, yeah. and, and then Chelsea, Chelsea is the, the takes the, after daddy. That's right. We, we decided to share. We'd have one, <laughs> one of each. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. And um, interesting, like, so we found out, I don't know, probably this was a few years back that I found out that your daughter Clarissa is real good friends with, a, well, with Krista. Yeah. And, like, uh, so this, these, uh, this young lady is from... 
where I was at in Indiana, and I remember before she was even born, and then next thing I know, I'm seeing her, and she's like, they're friends, and they're like, she shows up, oh, I think it was down there at Faith or whatever, but... Yeah, it was at and Faith. It, and um, she was sitting there saying, you know, like, oh, I, I was like, wow, how do you guys even know each other? And they knew each other from college. From, from I, college, yeah. yeah they so, were still best friends, and in fact, they get together all, all the time. Are they getting... She is up. she coming down here anytime soon, or is it like a... I don't I, know with all these restrictions and stuff. Yeah, she does. She tries to come. She comes down the area. Sometimes they meet back over where they went to college, and and they try to get together, you know, once a year, oh. once every two years. They 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 stay very close. They've been oh, really good. That's friends. good. Well, yeah. that's that's interesting. And so like, so you said around two thousand four, two thousand five, you already known about beams, and we'll get into what you know what beams is here in a second, but. Um, you just felt like that that was something you wanted to be more involved with, I guess. And that well, was it, or you just, well, as a, as a pastor, you know, you you feel that you see the need, you know, the word of God, I, I believe the word of God is the answer to all our needs. And it has the answers for our life. If we will go in and take the principles and put it in and it, it'll solve us, it'll help us. It's our, mm. you know, it's Jesus, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word of God. Yeah, and I, I looked up this verse right before we started um, because it's one of my favorite verses, and I mean, I'm sure you're, you're well aware of it, but when it talks about in Psalms 138, verse 2, where it talks about, I will worship towards thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness. And we think of the name of God, you know, mm -hmm. the name above all names, the King of kings, Lord of lords, but it, it keeps going. It says, and for thy truth, thy word is truth. We know mm -hmm. that, of course. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. name. And I and it's amazing to me to think about even above his name, which is the name above all names. Sure. King, that even that, his word, which mm -hmm. we believe the perfect word of God is preserved for us in the King James Bible, of course, right. um, for the English-speaking people. And it's so fascinating to even read something like that. And if, if I just told you that, and I didn't have scripture to back it up, it's almost a little bit blasphemous, you would think, to say. But it's right, right there in the Word of God that sure. he is magnified, preserved, and everything, his word, even above his name, because of how important it is. And, and that's why I wanted to uh, talk about, really, the importance of Bibles. And, and, and you know, we take it for granted, I think, in, in the United States. Sure. I mean, we really yeah. do. We, you know... We can have you know, smartphones, computers. Uh, you can go to a local dollar store and pick up a King James Bible for next to nothing. Right. And But I've been places around the world um, where people can't even afford to barely eat as opposed to being able to afford that or even to have a Bible in their language. Exactly. And so that's the that's what Beams is all about. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you just kind of really just kind of explain i guess the history of beams like you know from from the history i know of course people need can go onto the website and, and read all about it which by the way the link is in the uh, description box you can go find that and um i want to make sure i don't get this wrong here well i'll let you go ahead and get it's it. it's simply it's just uh, beamsbibles.com is is our website and we have videos on there. We have the history of the ministry, but BEAM stands for Bible Education and Missionary Service. Mm -hmm. The ministry was founded by Dr. Julian Pope in 1972. He made many mission trips and was a church planner in the United States, and he saw the need that uh, missionaries had for scriptures and scripture 
uh, materials, the, the education part. Uh, Dr. Pope was very much in the education part. He wrote some booklets and pamphlets and, and did more of what we would, we would refer to like correspondence courses and, and the education uh, part of the ministry. And so he really focused on that, and God laid that on his heart to start the ministry and call it Beams, as Beams of Light, the Word of God sending that light into, into the dark world. And so that's became his focus, uh, was to get the word, word of God. So in 1972, he started the ministry, and then he passed away in the mid-'80s, and a Dr. Mike Minner took over the ministry and continued it on. Then in 1996, uh, Dr. Renee Ferret, uh, who is our current uh, executive director and president of the ministry, uh, he was great friends with Dr. Pope. Actually, they worked on a church where they were on staff together, and he was very close to Pope family. He started Temple Baptist Church here in Gulfport. Mm -hmm. And uh, at one time, they had a house that he dedicated a mission house in the Pope's name. Well, the Pope family asked him, if he would bring the ministry to Gulfport out of his church, because they know uh, Dr. Fred had taken uh, a lot of uh, mission trips and saw the need. Mm -hmm. And so he brought the ministry over in 96 and became the director while he was still pastoring and was looking for a director of the ministry. And uh, the Lord laid on his heart after he couldn't find anybody, the Lord laid on his heart that it was, uh, God's will for him to be the director of the Beams Ministry. So in 1997, June uh, 1st, 1997, he resigned as uh, pastor of Temple Baptist Church. Dr. Stephen Crane became the pastor then, and then he became the full-time director, president of the Beams Ministry and began. And at that time, the focus began as he talked with other missionaries and in, in, in around the world what the needs were was for a good quality, whole, hardback Bible. Mm. And uh, that's, uh, you know, what, what we do, this, uh, you know, hardback Bible. And the reason that we've, we do this type of Bible and the, and the binding is, is because of a lot of places where we, we send the Bible. So sure. in, in 97, Dr. Fred, you know, took over the ministry and began focusing on getting the Bibles into the hands of missionaries national pastors to be able to give out to their their converts mm -hmm. uh, and so that's where the ministry as we know it today really began and has just begun to grow where it was in just a few countries a few bibles a month to uh, before covid we were averaging between eight and ten thousand bibles a month being sent out oh, wow. and we've been able to get into about 150 uh, countries and over the years, we've been able to give out about 40 different uh, languages in which we can talk about how that changed in, in a little bit. Okay. But that's been the emphasis of the Beams ministry. So what we do uh, providing those Bibles is uh, we go in to churches uh, of life faith that allow us to come in and we raise, raise the funds. And when the fund and by funds you're talking about for the distribution, you know, for the, the distribution, the shipping of the Bible, right? We're not a printing ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some great printing ministries, sister ministries, if you will, out there that we work with, right? Uh, from time to time on different projects, but to do the quality of binding and materials, and to Dr. Fred found in those early years that to get them commercially printed for us 
was uh, more cost effective than it would be to set up a printer and to have somebody mm-hmm. that knows how to run that equipment, the web presses, and to be able to put all that stuff together yep. is, you know, is very, very expensive. And why reinvent the wheel if somebody's already doing it? We can get somebody to do it. Yeah. That well. Yeah, I, I know uh, about that pretty well because, um, interesting enough, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, so where my dad uh, pastored for many years in Indiana was Ford Porter's church. Oh, that okay. He started. Yeah. So everybody knows God's simple plan of salvation right. and everything, but the printing press was still, well, it was at this one property, and then it moved up further north of us. So I got to see it's a pretty, and that's just for a piece of paper that's folded over. Right. You know, um, I think it's a, maybe even a trifold. I don't know. Sure, but, yeah. And so yeah, there's there's not, it's not all that as much as that binding a book or like a Bible or something. And so I, I can understand that. So, um, so. And again, on the distribution of of the Bibles, uh, we so I had a question asked by uh, Brother Burns um, out in California. He he wanted to know, like, how do you how do you go about say say there's a missionary in Turkey. He brought up Turkey, mm-hmm. and that um, there's English Bibles there. A lot of people do speak English, but there's a good majority that don't speak English. It's the whatever the Turkish language is, I guess. And that um, if you had a missionary. Uh, reach out to Beams. How would you go about that? You talked about different languages being added mm-hmm. over the years. Like, how do you go about doing that? Because again, and just for anybody that's watching, um, this Texas Receptus, you know, because and mm-hmm. I'll let you go through that as far as how the Bible, you know, the translation of the uh, of the Bibles when you send them in different languages. Of course, if anybody knows a lot about it, as we talked before. There's a lot of controversy of which Bibles follow more closely the original, you know, the as far as the Texas Receptus, right. the that the Antioch line of of, of the Bible. Um, but how would you go about doing that? How has it grown, so, so to speak, or how would it grow to even Turkey, for example? Well, the sad thing is when you talk about the Bibles and Word of God, is there's about seven thousand different languages today, mm. but less than. 10% actually have an adequate, what we consider an adequate copy of the scriptures. Wow. So translation work is, is a very, very needed mm. uh, uh, subject, if you will, or very, very needed occupation, if, for lack of a better term that I can come up right now. But it is, it is really a need to be able to uh, get the Bible into the language of the people. We don't have a translation department. Beams is not big enough to where we have that, mm-hmm. to have the people to have the linguistics. Uh, a lot of people say, well, why don't you just why don't you just do it? If you've ever used Google Translate to try and translate, yeah. you understand because you, you don't go word for word. Exactly. Yeah. Some languages may have 10 words or more for one single word, and it's the whole context. So you've, you've yeah. got to understand. You have to really know the nuances of the language. Exactly. Yeah. You've got to know the language you're coming from and the language you're going into. So the way the Bibles that Beams has when we're able to get those, we're missionaries, veteran missionaries that has the same belief uh, that we do, as uh, as you said, the Texas Receptus, where the King James crumbs English language. And so the way we put it in the, the Beams ministry is we're at King James or it's equivalent. We want to put the best Bible in, in the hands of the people in that language. And so when someone comes to us and says, hey, 
we need a Bible in, in this language, you know, our next response is, do you know of a good Bible? Is there, is there a Bible already translated? Since we don't have a translated department. Now, some missionaries are over there working. Some of the Bibles that we do have have been translated by the missionaries or national pastors that mm-hmm. we, we know. And there's a very long process, like the Alongo Bible that we have for the Philippines they took like 30 years to be able to wow. translate that wow. Bible with a group of them. They've had some setbacks and things that took place, but it is a long process to be able to to do that translation. Yeah. So somebody, a missionary, calls us, says, hey, or emails us, and they can go to our website. We have a request form where missionaries go in and fill out that form that gives us the contact information and ask us, hey, do you have this Bible? Well, we'll look to see, is, is there one? Is there one that we're able to, to get? Uh, you know, you've got copyrights and, and all those things that you have to, you have to deal with. You know, that's, that's part of the process. Okay. But then we usually find a missionary, and they may say, hey, we have this Bible, and then we go through, let's, where's the history? Where does this Bible come from? And we go through that vetting process right. of missionaries. We just, somebody yeah. just don't hand us the Bible and say, hey, print this. You know, they tell me it's good. And if it's in anything but English, I have to take their word for it. Right. You know. Yeah, it is a it is I mean, obviously a vetting process and everything that goes to that. And and I think that's what the question comes from is like, you know, you guys are not just flippant and no, and no. I, I know your I know your um your desire is not to be pushing out something that's um well that's not the word of God. Exactly. Um so and and that's good. And and we t- we talked about a little bit about just the importance of having God's word, and I, I, I think to myself often, uh, Brother Butch, the how much of the Bible. I mean, we have the completed word of God for us mm-hmm. in the English language. We have every ability. We have every opportunity to read it, to study it, and but yet we don't want to. Right, because we'd rather have our own will. We'd rather feed our flesh or something like that, as opposed to take and. Then you think about somebody in North Korea or in China somewhere where they're under heavy persecution, and just for a page, if they can find a page in their language or even not, where they somebody knows enough broken English to be able to read enough to where they can get the Word of God, and it, and it breaks them. I mean, they, exactly. they rejoice. And and I also started thinking just a little bit about the the prophecies of the end times, how there's going to be a drought. And it's not necessarily a physical drought, but it's a drought of the Word of God. Exactly. And if it's bad now, as you said, there's so many different languages and and trying to get the Word of God into those languages. Just, it blows my mind to think about when we, we as the body of Christ are caught up and this world goes through what they go through. Boy, I can't imagine because that's when the real drought of the Word of God happens. And no wonder... The, they'll believe the strong delusion and, sure. and so forth and so on. So, but anyways, that I mean that's and that's really the the question I had. And now, as far as getting a, a Bible in a different language, but what take us through the distribution process? So, for example, you know, you say you're funded. You know, as far as like people donate or you probably put mm-hmm. you up for support and so forth and so on. But take through the process on, on a on a normal day. You come in to work, and as far as trying to, you got a shipment coming in. What does that all look like? I mean, do you have to box it up and so forth and so on? 
Well, what we do is, you know, of course, we're going to raise funds, and, and we are just in case those are listening, one or we are a 5013C mm. uh, charitable organization in the state of Mississippi. And so we're audited every year, our books are, and, and we give an account with that. And so, you know, accountability is something very important. But on average, it costs us $8 to get a Bible printed and prepared ready for, for shipping it. out. Eight, so $8, $8 for, for the Bible. Mm. Now, that doesn't count to cover the cost of, of shipping. So what we do is for every $8 someone sends in to the ministry, they'll, they'll get a receipt. But in the front of the Bible, we will put a label with the donor's name and if, if they would like their address, and we also put an envelope in the front. Now, we do that so that when the missionary or national pastor gives that convert a Bible, we ask them if they're able to to send a thank you letter because we want them to know, hey, this isn't from Beams. Yes, Beams is the, is the vehicle here, but we're partnered with these folks and, and, you know, Christian in America cared enough to give so that you could have a Bible. So we put those in, and then depending on how we're shipping them. The average shipping we do, we do uh, one box to a national pastor, which that'll be from six to eight Bibles in. And we use the USPS, United States mm-hmm. Postal Service, international priority airmail, medium flat rate boxes. Okay. Uh, depending on the zone, and they have different zones, but on average it's $84 now to mail a box. Wow. Yeah. And that's that's their price. We don't, you know, that's not us getting anything. So what we do is we pack the Bibles in there and uh, get them get them ready, as many Bibles we can put in. Instead of just putting shred paper in, we try to get tracks in that language, and we put those around the Bible to fill the box because we can have up to 20 pounds in the box Okay, as long as the boxes are, are closed. Mm-hmm. And so we put as much as that material in there. So we'll put tracks, and sometimes we have some... Uh, uh, newspaper, religious newspapers, so Lord, uh, revival fires or things will send us papers and we'll put those in so that there'll be some tools. So if the box makes it there safely, which, you know, if you ship things overseas, you know that can be a challenge. But sure. when the box gets there, that uh, pastor will have, you know, tracks and things. But we pack those boxes up, we put handwrite the customs and have everything ready that our missionaries We'll go into churches. They're invited to pastors, allow them to come in, and we'll present the need of mailing. So we're, the missionary's not being charged. And then we'll have individuals who will take the box and go to the post office, go to the window, and they pay that postage and mail that box for the missionary. We okay. ask them to pray for the missionary. We ask them to pray for the people that are getting those Bibles in that country. Yeah. Now, we do have some folks that uh, can go through our website. We do have... Uh, a tab on there for giving, okay. and you can give towards uh, postage or our churches or individuals send funds in to Beams and say, hey, I don't want to go to the post office. I don't want to go through that. We'll, we'll send an average $84 in. Would you mail a box for us? Okay. They'll get a receipt, says postage, and then we'll take a box to the post office and we'll mail them for them. And the, the distribution of all that stuff. So you'll receive the trucks that come in with these printed Bibles. We have in our, our warehouse, when we order the Bibles, we, because we have them commercially printed, mm-hmm. so we order them in bulk, 5000 to 10000 you know, depending on the funds. We're a by-faith ministry. And so we, you know, Dr. Fred has set it up in our board. Hey, we run in the black, you know, uh, so we get those Bibles. They come in. We have uh, the warehouse. 
They're located on Duckworth Road here in Gulfport. Mm-hmm. And we have fork truck and a full loading dock that come in on freight, and we unload them, store them in the warehouse, and then we pack them up. Which kind of interesting, you, you had asked me earlier, just a little side note, how God works. When I was in Pennsylvania working in, in the church of my father-in-law, we moved back there. God gave me a job working in a tire factory. Mm. Two of my jobs in the tire factory was, one, I ran a fork truck to put molds in the uh, presses, so I learned how to run a fork truck there, but I also was a warehouse uh, coordinator, I guess you could say, was in charge of keeping the inventory of the warehouse, and then when I worked for my father-in-law in in, uh, Florida, God gave me a job working in the grocery store. I worked in the produce department, and I had to do inventory and ordering. All right. When God brought me to Beams, that's, what's some of the things I do? I drive it. a fork truck. We have a warehouse <laughs> I oversee. Yeah. We do inventory. So that's amazing how God brings all together. But that's what we do. We bring them in. We unload them. Uh, sometimes part of our service in the Beams is we'll have missionaries that will be sending a container of materials. Well, we're not able to necessarily provide a whole container full of Bibles because of the cost. Right. But we will stage the container in our warehouse, which that means is that they will have all the materials. Maybe it's a 20-foot, maybe it's 40-foot. They may be sending, you know, tracts and other papers or just other materials for the ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll warehouse them. We, ha- we have to coordinate with them because, you know, limited space, but we will coordinate with them. And then we'll help them with that process. And then uh, a lot of them have to lease the container. So when they come to load it, you know, you have to, you got an hour to load it and send it out. So we help set them up, help that, and help them load. And we'll put maybe a pallet or two on that's going over to be distributed. Wow. And from so from start to finish, you're, you're really... You're really the uh, the assembly line, I guess you would say, of getting things ready, and the I don't know, like the 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 handler. You know, you're the mm-hmm. you're you're the agent. You're the, uh, instead of the shipping individually, you have the the process down. You know the the ins and the outs, and you're able to take care of it. And that and that's fantastic. Um, I mean, to me, more than anything, and the. One of the main reasons why I had you on, obviously, we've known each other for a little while, but not too well. I wanted to get to know you a little bit more. But uh, one of the main reasons is just the passion of how is somebody to have the mind of Christ if they don't have his word? Right. And exactly. And the fact that um, you're helping as, as, as a ministry, you're helping to get Bibles into, like, actual physical Bibles. So let me, uh, which one do you have right here? This is English. That's, that's our... Okay. Of course, our English, and this is a Cebuano, which is a, a dialect over in the Philippines. Okay, so Cebuano, and it's a so a Filipino language, a dialect that's in, and you have an entire and and it. I guess it would hold up for quite a while, especially in the Philippines. Yes, so like so, you can see that here, and you can see right there the uh, the beams on there, and then the English Bible, the King James Bible in English, and. The fact that you can get these um, printed, bound, and everything you said for eight, we have eight. Them, yeah on, on average it costs eight dollars. Now some are, are less as as you can just notice yeah, there the difference thicker. of thickness. Mm-hmm. You take our Thai Bible is you know about twice those. 
Yeah. But the type that, of that guy that was talking about, Brother Burns, has one of those Thai Bibles from Beams, actually. Right. So, yeah. Right. And it's pretty big. Brother Pope, uh, Philip Pope, is the one who they did the translation work and allows us to, to print those and distribute them. But one of the things you were mentioning about them holding up, I had uh, a missionary actually from the Philippines tell me in the tropical country, he said, you know, a lot of the people, you know, we take for granted in America. You know, you're going to go to church and it's raining, you get in your car, you got an umbrella, you go there. You know, they're walking, they're going to a, you know, what we would call a shed. You know, but it's their church. It's a tin roof. Yeah, it's not about the building. Those, it's about those those the body of Christ assembling together there. Exactly. Well. Yeah. Amen. And so he said, you know, in the rain, he would tell them because of the quality material, he'd have tell them if they will hold it with the spine up, mm-hmm. hold it tight, and as they get in, then once they get into the church, if it was raining the moisture out, if they kept it held tight and would just take their shirt or whatever and wipe that water off, the Bible will hold oh, and not expand. The, yeah, even yeah. the paper would hold up too. So. Yeah, it holds up better because of the type of material. So, well, amen. so we could get cheaper material, but we want a Bible to last. Uh, yeah. Several years ago, Dr. Ferret went uh, was over in Africa, and as he was over there, uh, he you know we had been sending Bibles mm-hmm. in, in Zambia for years, and he saw a pastor. They have one of our Beams Bibles because it's amazing. Sometimes there's pastors that don't even own their own Bible. And uh, he noticed that that pastor had that Bible. And, of course, like, like, like I do with my Bibles, he's got notes. He's got all that mm-hmm. written in. It's his. And so Brother Fret was, was looking at it as the, as the director's beam saying, wow, that's, that's a real great example of how the Bible, our Bibles hold up. And, and he tells a story. He said to him, he said, hey, uh, can I have your Bible? Because he wanted to bring it back, show the pastor, show everybody. Yeah. Hold up. And that guy held his Bible. That's no. my Bible. He's like, no, I'll give you another one. I'll buy it. No, no, no that's my Bible. But yeah. he ended up taking some pictures, but how it just yeah. is able to hold up. Now, speaking of Bibles, uh, you guys have uh, somewhat of a museum, or not? A, but you do have other yeah. Bibles that are like older than that, right? Um, I wanted you yeah. to kind of bring that up briefly. We have... Uh, there's one of our brochures for yeah. we, in uh, 2019. We opened that up in February in conjunction with uh, Faith Baptist Church to come wash in uh, Dr. Mark Smith and his team put this together. Beams Bible Education Missionary Service, part of the education process that we're getting back to and doing is, is called the Biblical Beams Biblical Heritage Exhibit. And we have 20-some cases of... Bibles that are replicas and facsimiles of Bibles showing how we have our English Bible, our King James Bible. And also, we have one case showing where the uh, modern versions of the English Bible have come from. Mm. And so you're able to go in there. Now, some of them are not in direct line with how we got to King James Bible, but they were very important, like uh, Luther's uh, German Bible and, and different ones like that. So what we have there on the, on the campus there at the Beams headquarters there in Duckworth is a visual tour of how we received our English Bible. So we have a, about a 30-minute video that was filmed and based on our exhibit. So you can come in, sit down, and view the film and then, or view the video and then come in and actually tour and look. So we've got the exact uh, facsimiles. They're, they had uh, 
non-destructive digital cameras that they were able to take the pictures of the originals and put it together. It's beautifully done. Um, most folks that come are really impressed mm -hmm. with it, and it is a, it's a really wonderful thing uh, to come and to look and to see, you know, the different Bibles. Uh, to me, uh, the two Bibles that we have in there that, that I always love looking at is, you know, the chain Bible that had to be chained to the pulpit because people were stealing it. Right. And then we have the, um, the you may have heard of the edition that come out of the King James Bible that was the He Bible and the She Bible. Hmm. And now what they are was printer errors, okay? Okay. And so, you know, they didn't have the computers and all the stuff we have right. today. And so there in the book of Ruth in chapter 3, I believe it's verse 15, where Boaz, as she had laid at his feet and before mm -hmm. sent in, Boaz took and put all that grain in her hap. And it, the Bible says that he put, you know, put it in her hap. And then she went into the city. Mm -hmm. Well, they, the printer that day or the guy that did, did the S's was off, and they went ahead and printed, and it says that he put it in her hap, and he went into the city. Oh, wow. And so the next edition, they corrected that. Of and course, it was yeah. she, she Bible, just neat little things like that. I just find that, you know, those sort of things fascinating. Well, and, and of course, you know, a lot of people, maybe, maybe if you're watching, you probably maybe have a little bit of idea, but you know, the, the Bible, as far as, you know, 1611, I mean, mm -hmm. really is not that long ago. I mean, no. uh, relatively speaking. And the fact before that, any, um, word of God was highly prized. And like you said, the chain Bible and other things, but people were even, uh, who was a Tyndale, right. Mm -hmm. And, and others that really suffered yeah, and gave their life, gave their life. And, and the bloody history, I guess you would say of just to get to where we are now. And that's what I, I, I try to, you know, again, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. We have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16 says. We have the Holy Spirit. However, you know, there's not an audible voice and signs and wonders right. that, that are here, but we have the preserved word of God. And, and for the English-speaking people and for those that may be watching here in the United States, you know, appreciate what you have. Exactly. When I hear about people in the Philippines and I think of the... Uh, Beams Bible we give out in uh, when we were down in Cuenca, uh, Ecuador. Um, I forget the brother's name now. It's Ken Weaver was that Weaver, right? yes. Mm -hmm. um, and when we were down there, and and somebody that had been born again, a, a, a man had been waiting. He could read a little bit of English, and so he would, he had his English Bible. But when we placed that Beams Bible in his language, where he could read the whole Word of God, I mean, he he wept. I mean, and it was incredible to see that kind of a thing and also convicting, really. Exactly. And, and the fact that we have so much and, we're, and we've been blessed by that bloody history and yet we take, just take it for granted. And it, that's also concerning to me um, mm -hmm. that, um, that a lot of professing people, Christians, say, you know, I, the air quotes, don't have a love for the Word of God. And that's yeah. and that really is confusing a lot of times. I know people go through whatever you know and and walk afar, but boy, I, it makes me very nervous for people's lack of of love for the Word of God, 
to where, or it becomes more like a, even like a, a, a symbol. I, they pick it up, sure. they put it under their arm, and they do the cultural Christianity thing and go exactly. to wherever and, and think they've done something. They haven't. And, um, and, I, and I, I really, that's why I wanted to have you on, Brother Butch, just to, just to show there is ministries out there that are trying to get the Word of God as best as possible, you know, um, as efficiently and, and as, now I don't want to use the word cheap, but, you know, as, as cost low effective. cost effective as possible to get the word of God to, to, to believers around the world who are just looking to have a copy in their language. And just before we start wrapping up here, um, I don't, you might've already said it, but how many, how many languages does uh, a Beams Bible go into? Like how many, what's the number of languages in countries? Uh, we've been able to get Bibles into about 150 countries. 150 uh, countries, wow. And okay. uh, so we've, right now, currently, we have uh, over 20 languages, uh, able to do about 28 languages currently right now hmm. that we're able to get Bibles in. Uh, some of that's due to copyrights to where we purchased them uh, before, but now those that have the copyrights, we're not able to get those. L- let me kind of say this about the Beams ministry and why it's such a necessary this type of ministry is. Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But he didn't stop there. He said, and to teach them all things. You know, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, so you have salvation. But to make a disciple and to grow, you've got to have the word of God. And so for a missionary to go over to a foreign field to to do a work, they've got to have the Bible to be able to disciple. How do you disciple somebody that don't have, have the Bible? How do you ask somebody that only makes $3 a month Mm. to take that when they can barely feed their family by a Bible? Or even as some have written us and said, if we even had the money, the Bibles are not here. It's not a profitable business. It's we can't get good Bibles here. And so without the Beams ministry, we're not able without ministries like you and with what you're doing. No. We can't have a copy of the Word of God, and we've seen what happened with the pandemic. Many missionaries had to leave. Many foreigners had to go, yeah, but the, the gover- Bible stayed. Yeah, the government kicked out the right. the, the the Americans, right? You know, exactly. And, kicked it out. and that's, again, <laughs> a local body of believers, the importance of, like you said, um, I, I think of 1 Timothy chapter 2 and the mission, mm-hmm. uh, or 2 Timothy chapter 2, and, the, and basically the charge... Of course, we know in Second Timothy that Paul gives the Timothy, "I charge thee, uh, mm-hmm. preach the, the word, word, be instant out of season." Mm-hmm. But you look in Second Timothy chapter two and verse number two, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And if these missionaries are there and doing biblical work, mm-hmm. they should be having these faithful men and committing to them the word of God because they could be one killed, uh, exactly. you know, booted out of the country. And brother, brother, I tell you, I think that's, that would be helpful for American churches, quote unquote churches to understand as well, that we need to be training and studying the word of God to commit thou to faithful men exactly, so that they may be able to teach others also. And uh, it's not, you, you talked about the history of the Bible it's not for the the clergy class, you know. Exactly. The, the you know, well, only we can have this understanding. No, no. It's for God's people, His Word. 
um, for his people and exactly. for us to know. And like I, I watched a, an interesting uh, uh, a teaching the other night about the will of God. Well, the, the will of God is not some sort of mysterious thing that we cannot know, and we're walking sure. blindly by faith, bumping into things. We exactly. have his will right, right here. Right. And, the, and the fact that, you know, you know, be thankful in all things, that this is the will of God. Well, there you go. If you're That's searching it. for the will of God, there it is, you know, you're and right. so many other different exactly. things. But how do you know, unless you have the word of God, what his will is for your life? How to conduct yourself, how to walk circumspectly, how to um, walk in the spirit. How, what are the fruits of the spirit? What am I supposed to be doing as a as now as an ambassador for Christ sure. in this country? And uh, somebody that's saved, born again, now what? And so that's the importance of that. So if missionaries get kicked out. Well, continue. where where do you go? Where where do I go? As my as my pastor said when he he did it on our video too, he said. I don't know about you, but in times of need, I go to the Word of God. I mean, I've preached many funerals. Mm. Psalm 23 mm. gives so much comfort. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. How can we not fear evil? Well, because we have a Bible from beginning to end tells us where we came from, where we're going, and that by believing in Jesus Christ, there's a better place. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my yeah. Father's house or may mansion. Right. We get that comfort in somebody who, you know, Dr. Fred always says, and we always say it too, the greatest book in all the world is the Bible. And what would you do if you didn't have a Bible? Hmm. Well, I think about it, I think it's just unimaginable to me to think that I couldn't go to the Bible when, when my life gets turned upside down, when somebody else, uh, you know, I'm seeing things that are going hurting and I can't understand. But I can get my Bible and go in there and say, you know what? God's got it all under control and I can read, I study, I get comfort. Mm. And there's brothers and sisters in Christ that know there's a book out there, know there's a Bible that has all the answers. Yeah but they can't put their hands on it. Mm -hmm. And I've got multiple copies. So that's what you know, drives me to want to do more and, yeah. and to get out why. Well, amen. And that's, and that's fantastic. And, and so, again, uh, Brother Butch, thanks, thanks for coming out. Oh, I, it's I, my I, pleasure, brother. I enjoyed been, this very much. Well, Thank it, you. it was good. And, and get a chance for people to see uh, the uh, ministry there at uh, Beams here locally uh, in Gulfport, Mississippi. And so as we uh, wrap it up, um, you know, the, the, the website is found there, uh, Beams Bibles, beamsbibles.com. Um, and if you want to make, um, a donation, um, every, everything, trust me on this, this is not like, um, a money-making organization by any stretch. If you, if you saw the, saw what they, the, what they do and they pinch every single penny, um, and they're going to get the word of God into these foreign lands. And, um, if you want to be a help, um, this this is not me trying to say, hey, um, we even talked before this. It's not me saying that we even agree on a thousand percent of things. Doesn't matter. Uh, like on the core principles of of God's word, we, we are doctrinally down the same path. And uh, so, anyways, but if you want to make the uh, a donation, go to beamsbibles.com and you can look up on there. And for eight dollars, just for eight dollars, and I think there's a even a book of the month kind of, or like a, yeah, a, eight, $8 a month, month or something. And, uh, so that's, that's one of those things that, um, you know, if you can afford, if you can do, um, this is biblical giving in my, in my view. 
Uh, in 1 Corinthians and, and other places, it talks about the necessity of the saints. And I can't think of any other need to giving towards the necessity of the saints than getting the word of God to them. So, Amen. Uh, so be that. And then, uh, like you said, it's about $84 for a, a book or a box of Bibles to be shipped uh, mm-hmm. on average. And so uh, if you can give a little bit more and you want to do that, um, feel it, go right ahead. But uh, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that you did come on, brother, and uh, thank you for coming over here. And uh, so that's going to be it for tonight. We're not going to take you know, any kind of questions or uh, comments or anything like that, but I do appreciate you joining me. Uh, this has been a little bit different. Um, uh, I brought on a, a ministry from a brother uh, of, uh, that's of like faith. And, and the fact that he's trying to get Bibles around the world and uh, in this ministry that was set up and it's been going for 40, 50 years now, close to. So um, if you, like I said, this is a little bit different. This is not something we normally do. But um, again, I bring up the point. Let this mind be in you. How are you supposed to know the mind of Christ? We have the mind of Christ, but how are you supposed to know his mind and his will? It's the word of God. And we have it. So let this mind be in you. Um, Study to show thyself approved. And so that'll be it for tonight. Thank you for joining me on Let This Mind Be In You. Next week, we'll be getting back into our our weekly studies through uh, the uh, letters from Paul. And uh, so we finished up 1 Timothy last week, and we'll start in 2 Timothy next week, God willing. And uh, also go check out the uh, Millennial Reign series and all the other uh, produced series if you want to check those out. Um, looking forward to some feedback. And so like, share, subscribe, do all that kind of stuff. Um, we're not monetized here. This is all self-funded, but um, I think it's worth it. So anyways, uh, once again, thank you to uh, Brother uh, Butch Lockhart from uh, Beams. And thank you for joining me on Let This Mind Be In You. And uh, that is it for now. God bless you and have a great night.